We are in part 25, the last and final part of our first Corinthians series entitled Practical Faithfulness. By the end of today, if you have been with us, you would have gone through 1 Corinthians line by line, verse by verse, word by word, and now hopefully it has been unlocked for your own personal devotional. Now you can look at it and say, I know all this context. This looks easy to me. That's kind of the idea. I entitled the message for today, Faithful to the Flock, and I want to begin with some thoughts about encouragement. The Bible has a reoccurring theme That we need to encourage one another. There's actually commands in scripture. It says encourage one another with these words. It doesn't say encourage one another if you feel like it. It doesn't say encourage one another if you feel encouraged. It doesn't say any of that. It says encourage one another. Why? Because the Christian life and living here in this broken world is hard. And many of us want to give up. There are people surrounding you that may not be walking the walk that they're walking right now a year from now because they get so discouraged and they they already have a hard life. Life is already difficult. We're in a broken world. Our flesh is frustrated. We we don't get all the things that we desire. We feel cut off and and our relationships are broken. And so it's very difficult. At the same time, we have an enemy that is seeking to devour us, attacking us on all sides, and we feel weakened. Now, granted, maybe Christianity shouldn't be this way. Maybe it should be a lot easier. Jesus said, for all you religious folks who think that it's about rules and regulations, and you have so many laws hanging over your head, come to me, for I will give you rest. I'm gentle and humble of heart. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And yet we don't walk in a faith like that. We walk so heavy. And a lot of the reasons is because we add drama and sin and we're not doing it like Jesus. We heap all this stuff on our shoulders that we should never carry. We worry too much about what other people think of us and not enough about what God thinks. We wear so many masks, we get tired and our face feels heavy. These things need to be stripped away in order for us to live that light burden, that easy yoke. But we don't do that. So some of us need to be encouraged. Some of us need to have buddies sitting around us. And I shouldn't even just say some. All of us need friends around us to go, come on, we can do this. You can't give up, man. You mean we've come too far. No, you're not going to walk away. I get periodic emails from people just going, I'm so crushed. I don't know if I can continue to go on. What do you think I'm going to fire back to them? I'm going to fire back what I believe is true for them, which is, yes, you can. Get back up. I know you failed. I know you're having a hard time. I know that sin is eating at you. I know you're embarrassed by what you've become. We need to get going again. We do not stop. This is not about something that we're straining to believe. This is about the reality in which we already live. You can't walk away. It's just how things are. And, yes, it's difficult. But don't you dare let the enemy tell you a lie He's going to try to tell you you can't make it your sin is too big. The hole is too deep That is not true Because god is bigger than all of that. We need that encouragement So I want to begin this morning not even in the book of corinthians But in the book of acts would you turn with me to the book of acts acts chapter 14 verse 19 
I'm going to have you read there in a moment. But before we get there, let me tell you the story of one of the most remarkable encouragers in all of history, a man by the name of Barnabas. Barnabas's actual name is Joseph. I don't know if you knew that. He was a Levite. The first time we see him is in chapter 4. And this was a time when the church was little. It was just starting. And there were so many hurting and poor people that they decided to kind of pull their money. People sold stuff and took care of each other. Well, they mentioned one guy by name. Joseph. He comes out and he sells a property. A property that for him may well have meant his retirement. But he was so burdened with the idea of how do I encourage other people? Everybody else around me is crushed. Why do I feel peaceful when they don't feel peaceful? And that bothered him. And he said, you know what? I'm going to sell it. And he sold the whole thing. And he took all the money. And it says he laid it at the apostles' feet. Because he said, I don't want to charge of it. I don't want to earmark it. I'm not going to tell you what to do with it. All I'm saying is you have to encourage my brothers and sisters because I cannot have them discouraged. He lays it at their feet. He got the nickname Barnabas. It means son of encouragement. How encouraging do you have to be to where someone changes your name, nicknames you encouragement guy? That's pretty intense. I mean, you have to have, that's pretty neat that you have some virtue in you that is so intense that people don't even call you by your name anymore. You're now that guy. Now, that's a horrible idea if it's something like whiny right? You know, you don't want to be whiny. That's lame. But if it's something positive, if it's something good, something you're doing for the Lord, and indeed they couldn't even see him without thinking encourager. Now, next time we see him, it's with a guy by the name of Saul. Saul of Tarsus, as you know, became the apostle Paul. And he was a persecutor of Christians. He went out of his way to find out information and break up families and throw Christians in jail. And he was an intense Pharisee of Pharisees, so hardcore for the Jewish world, the Orthodox Judaism, that he would persecute Christians constantly. And he was like the ringleader, the big, mean, nasty guy that would take people out. Well, as he was traveling along, sure enough, Jesus got a hold of him. And he said, buddy, you need to be on my team. And so he decides to join this amazing Christian movement that Christ had going. And it says in the Bible, he went to the disciples to join them. And what did they say? Absolutely not. There's no way you're coming with us. We know who you are. Listen, man, our job is to protect the flock. You smell like a wolf. You're not getting anywhere near our boys. Okay, you need to stay away. I know you have used all kinds of things in the past to try to get your way in and find out who's a believer and who's not. So you can take them away. Everybody knows you. The answer is we're not spending time with you. You're done. And they slam the door. Now, I just want you to think as tough as Paul is, how would it feel to become a brand new Christian and the big dogs of the faith slam the door on you and say, we don't want you? Would that not extinguish your fire? Would you not automatically go, well, maybe I'm not for this. Maybe I got to go just be by myself. Would that not break up the fellowship? And sure enough, it's possible that even as he was leaving, Paul's walking away going, well, I guess that's it. They don't want me. And if the big dogs don't want me, I got nowhere to go. I'm all by myself. I don't know, Jesus, maybe you were wrong. Maybe you called me, but your people have said that I'm not worth anything. Maybe my past is too bad. 
sure enough, a guy comes running after him. Hey, 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 Saul, Paul, whatever the heck your name is. Dude, where are you going? They, they said they don't want me. Yeah, I know they said they don't want you. Are you going to let that stop you? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, no, no. I want to introduce myself. I am Joseph. Sorry. Barnabas. Nice to meet you, man. How are you? All right. Here's the deal. I've been watching you a little bit. I think you're legit. Well, of course I'm legitimate. I've been out there serving God like crazy. I just got saved a little bit ago, but I'm all in. I know, buddy. I believe you. I'm with you. You can't walk away. We got to go back in there. We're going to talk to him. Well, I already talked to him. They said, no, I know, but you didn't go in with me. I'm your PR guy. Let me talk, you zip it, we're good, all right? So let's go back in, right? Hey, guys, 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 gather around real quick. I have a new friend to introduce to you. His name is Paul. And they're like, yeah, that's not going to (laughs) happen. Peter, come on, come on. You, You need to let this guy in. We're not letting that guy in. He's a bad news, Barnabas. Everybody loves you. I get it, right? Nobody can reject you. What I'm telling you is he is not all right. Get him out of here. Hey, Peter, John, guys, listen, I'll take care of him. I'll pick up after him, right? Can I keep him? Can I keep him? Can I keep him? I'll feed him. I'll water him. Seriously. Seriously. If he, if he makes a mess, I'll clean it up, right? I'm there. He's my guy. I'll take, I'll take charge of him. I'll walk with him. Okay, I'll keep on. Does that make you feel better if I keep an eye on him? All right, awesome, good. As they walk out. Good. Paul, I think that went really well. Personally, I don't know if I trust you or not, but we really won on that one. So that was awesome. Uh, Stick with me, buddy. We can do this. It says that Paul then launched his ministry and was incredibly bold and powerful in the region. That would never have happened without who? Barnabas. I'm about to have you read with me one of the most intense encouragement stories of all time. This ought to blow your mind. Acts fourteen nineteen. Look at this. But Jews, and in this group, the Jews were the ones that were opposing the Christians and Paul's ministry. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. And having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. Let's pause right there. What happened? Paul was doing ministry with Barnabas. Somehow they got separated. Paul then gets surrounded by people. The bad guys rally everyone to think that he's a horrible blasphemer, deserves death. They all surround him where he can't get away. They shove him back into the middle and they start throwing rocks at him until he falls down. Then they throw rocks at him until he stops moving. They throw rocks at him until he stops breathing. Now, the Apostle Paul is down, thought dead. Now, they're not doctors, but I think they can pretty much figure out. They've stoned people before. They know when someone is dead. He's now dead for the sake of the gospel. He is now wiped out because of preaching Jesus Christ. That right there is brutal. But look what happens next. Verse 20, but when the disciples gathered about him, he got up, he entered the city. And on the next day, he went with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium and to Antioch. What? 
That means, hey, we get back up. Whoa, that was a rough day. Dang. Dang. Anybody see? It's, it's not so much here. It's right, right here. Anybody see a, a rock imprint on my face? Yeah, like that. Gets up, goes in, goes, you guys, I just need to take a nap real quick. Hold up. All right, I'm good. I'm good. Shake it off. All right, Barnabas, here we go. Let's go ministering. A couple days later, let's go right back to the same city that just stoned me. Why? Why would you go right back to the city that just tried to kill you? Well, it says right next. It says, to strengthen the souls of the disciples, to encourage them to continue in the faith, and they would say that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Why did they go? To encourage people. How intense do you feel about encouragement that you get up from being stoned, go right back into the city that did it, and said, you guys, you cannot give up. Listen, if I can be stoned alive and I'm back here, you can do this. Don't you dare give up. Don't you dare walk away. I don't care what kind of opposition comes against us. If our God says we will live, we will live. No one can shut us down. Barnabas has bled off on me. He's rubbed off on me. I know encouragement matters. I would have never been doing the ministry that I'm doing now if it wasn't for him. Therefore, we stand here and we tell you, yes, you can. Let's do it together. That's extreme encouragement. Turn with me to Romans chapter 15, verse 1. Go to the right in your Bibles. It's right after Acts. While you're turning there, let me read what I believe would be a mandate for our leadership here at this church. If you are a leader, pay attention to this. 1 Thessalonians 2.11, for you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. The leaders of this church, our job is to encourage and to fire people up and to equip them and to get them going. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. But all of us have a mandate. All of us have a responsibility to do this. Romans 15:1 is for all of us. It says this, we who are strong, that means anyone that believes that their walk with God is relatively steady. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up for Christ did not even please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days, meaning in the scriptures, was written for our instruction that through endurance, through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance, may the God of encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thessalonians says, therefore, build one another up, encourage each other. Fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you is simply this. The encouragement of my spirit dwells in your heart. The encouragement of my spirit dwells in your heart. What does that mean? It means that the way that God orchestrated our lives is that sometimes we can't boost ourselves up. We need friends to help us. You need other people to breathe into your life. You need other people to be able to say, you can do it. Come on, don't you dare give up. You are not alone. I'm praying for you, man. 
I got your back. You're not alone. I know that you're feeling weak. I know you want to give up, but you just can't. We are in this together. Every one of us need to breathe life into each other. Just as a a simple example, I am so encouraged in this church. You guys spoil me with encouragement. I constantly grab those emails and I put them into my encouragement file. I keep an encouragement file. All of them, I keep them. One young man wrote to me just a few weeks ago and he said, Pastor Lance, I was one of those guys that just sat in the pew and I just watched. I wasn't that fired up. I didn't do that much stuff. But man, once I started really paying attention at Bridgeway, when we got here, I started listening to you. I got so excited. Just so you know, now I'm heading out as a missionary out into the world. And I want you to know that it's changed my life. You think that's not going to fire me up to do it again? I could not have got myself that motivated. I could not have got myself that excited. But when I read an email like that, that says, I have transformed because of your ministry, it makes me want to do it again. So that's why we have to breathe life into each other. That's why you need friends that will reverse breathe life into you. That's why we stimulate these relationships that are healthy, that are good with other Christians. You must have other Christian friends around you or you're not going to make it. They have your encouragement. They're holding it in their pocket. They're the one that has to dole it out to you. I know you want to be super independent and do everything yourself. I know you want to be this uh, autonomous, I can do everything. No, you can't. You're not designed that way. You need people to love on you. You need people to breathe life into you. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 16. We are going to close out this book today, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 12. Page 962, thereabouts. Let me just read through to the end. This is one of those passages, again, that you just kind of blow through real quick and go, well, I finished the book. Yeah, a bunch of people said hi to people. Neat. Moving on. You're going to miss some stuff, so let's take a look. Now, concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, and act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the servants of the saints. Be subject to such as these, and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, because they have made up for your absence, for they refreshed my spirit as well as yours, give recognition to such men. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prissa, together with a church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord, and all the brothers send you greetings. So greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray for the word. Heavenly Father, thank you for letting us walk through this beautiful book that, Holy Spirit, you breathed through Paul. We know that you are talking to us. We know that it matters for us. We know that every bit of it is crucial to our living. We pray that we might have hearts that are 
good soil, that that seed that is sown today in the word of God would fall upon us and it would bring about fruit. Be glorified in us, Jesus. In your name, amen. Let's go back to verse 12. Now concerning our brother Apollos, you remember who Apollos is? Apollos is the amazing sermon preacher extraordinaire. Apollos is a guy that, a native of Alexandria, he comes into town and he is preaching up a storm. Somehow he got saved. And when he got saved, he used all of his gifting. And he was the type of preacher that while he taught, everyone was in rapt attention. That every time he spoke, it was as if he was talking right to you. It was that he was moving in your heart. When he would say the words, suddenly you felt the impact of God. He was the one that when he told stories, everybody was locked in and it was like painting a mural on a wall. He was the one that would talk from God's word and share things that would just knife right into your spirit. He was one of those guys. And sure enough, we read about him in Acts 18.24. Let me just read it to you. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, They took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing that by the scriptures that that Christ was Jesus. What does that mean? It means he was a big dog. Sure enough, he ended up being a minister in Corinth to such a significant degree that if you remember at the book of 1 Corinthians, at the very beginning, there were divisions. Remember? Somebody would say, man, Paul's my guy. I'm all about Paul. I follow Paul. Other people said, I follow Apollos. He's my guy. He's a better preacher than Paul. When that guy talks, everybody pays attention. Paul's not that interesting to listen to. Granted, powerful man, great guy, but all I'm telling you is that he's not as good of a teacher. And then somebody else says, well, I follow Peter. Because if anyone's a big dog, he's the head of the Jerusalem church. So I'm all about Peter. And then somebody's like, well, I'm all about Jesus. So there. And they all have this argument and divisions were breaking out in the church. So Apollos was so significant, he even had a fan club in Corinth, just like Paul did. But while those divisions raged, I want you to see at the end of this letter, the reality. Paul and Apollos got along wonderfully. And this is one of the great frustrations in our region. That while our church may have hard feelings towards another church, their pastor and me are having breakfast. We're doing great. So why are we not all following along? See, insofar as it goes with dad, so it should go for the family. And the idea is little by little, I'm going to be able to demonstrate and show to you the amazing relationships that God is building to where we are unifying with other churches and we don't need to have the divisions because it's embarrassing that when I sit across the table from somebody else and they have that look in their eye, like, man, your people are really hard on us. That's hard for me to take because I'm not hard on them. I'm trying to be sweet. I'm trying to be kind. I'm trying to have a good relationship. And I have to answer for my kids. 
Little by little, we're growing. We're learning. He said, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He'll come when he has the opportunity. Here's what was going on. Paul had already sent Timothy and Erastus to go help out in Corinth. They're on their way. He wanted Apollos to go with him. And Apollos is like, no, I'm not going. I got stuff going on, Paul. You got your ministry in Ephesus. I got my ministry in Ephesus. And for some of us, we look at that and we go, why doesn't everybody just do the same ministry? Right? And this is something we have to, we have to balance in our lives. How do we balance unity and diversity? Because here's the reality of it. In some ways, we need to unite together with other churches. In some ways, we need to act as one body. But in other ways, if we're all one body, it's overkill. Do we really need all the best pastors in one church? That wouldn't make any sense. You got to spread them out. Why? Because if somebody's up there doing a job that someone else is gifted for, they're never going to use their gifts. They're going to go, well, forget it. He's going to do it better than me. I'm not even going to try. So sometimes we have to break off pieces and go, you go try. You struggle to learn. You learn your way through this because you're just as good of a teacher as I am, but you need to have a platform. I don't have that for you. So you need to spread out. That's why there's many churches out there. That's a positive thing. So we can still be unified, but allow the diversity of the gifts to be spread out so more more people are reached. That's the point. In the same way, Paul and Apollos were both awesome, but they had to separate a little bit so they had their own space to utilize their gifts. And then, like a commanding officer, he fires out a couple short bursts of truth. Be watchful. Why do we need to be watchful? Because this world is dangerous and someone's trying to take you out. That's why you're watchful. You have to be alert. You have to be sharp. It's too hard to walk this world if we're not paying attention. You can't just blindly walk around and see how it's going to go. You got to keep your eyes open. There's an enemy that seeks to destroy you. He's got all kinds of temptations. Watch out. That's what he said. Stand firm in the faith. Stand firm in the content of the faith. Stand firm in the trusting in Jesus Christ. Don't give up. Everything's going to pull it away. Distractions are going to pull it away from you. Don't you let go. You hang on to that. Be strong. He said, act like men. What does that mean? Does that mean grunt a lot, scratch, stuff like that? Is that what he, that's not what he means. It means, it means simply this, as opposed to children, be men, grow up, be mature. Stop doing the same silly things that you did when you were a baby. Live the Christian life. Don't constantly go, I don't know how to read the Bible. Learn, figure it out. Why? Because that's what adults do. They read stuff that is hard for them. They sort it out. They sift it. Would you give Shakespeare to a little one? You would not. But when you grow up, you can understand the nuances. You can understand the depth of it. You can understand the concepts of it. Is it hard? Yeah, I took Shakespeare in college. I still think it's miserable. But that's because I'm immature. Moving on. Let all that you do be done in love. Listen, while we're all being tough guys and while we're all going around doing this intense work of God and we're watchful and we're alert, remember what you're doing. You are in the people business doing things for your Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, you don't get to act however you want to act. You're going to act as he would act and he would act in a loving fashion. So anything that you're doing that is out there that is nasty without the heart of love, you're actually not advancing the kingdom. You're screwing it up. 
everything you do has to be done in love. Now you go, well, Lance, there's tough love. Absolutely. I'm not telling you to remove the strength. I'm not telling you to remove the boundaries. I'm not telling you any of that stuff. As a matter of fact, in love, a lot of seriously brutal stuff needs to occur. But it has to be with a heart of love. You cannot pull love out and still be Christian. That's not going to happen. He said, now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia. That's a Roman province that we know as central and southern Greece, right? And that they have devoted themselves to the servants of the saints. Be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. What does that mean? It means this. Paul didn't remember very many people that he baptized, but he really remembers baptizing one particular guy. And who was that? It was Stephanus. Why? Because his whole household got saved. Paul walked in and this whole family, all the kids that were old enough to do ministry, they were all locked and loaded. And the whole family as a team jumped into ministry full force. It says they put themselves in ministry. They didn't wait for a title. They didn't wait for a job opening. They didn't wait for anything else. They said, we're here to serve and we serve as a team. They went out and got involved. The word that is used for the service of the saints is diakonos. It's the deacon word. They self-appointed themselves deacons in the church and did what was necessary. Now I'll tell you, every pastor loves The people in church that step up, they're solid enough, and they go, there's a task that needs to be done. Hey, pastor, I'll handle it. I'm out. And they go, and they take care of it. That's incredible. The backbone of this church is our ministry team leaders. They are our deacons. Men and women who are out there leading significant ministries. They have full-time jobs, just like you do. They're running ministries as well as that. They deserve respect. When they come up and they challenge you, the head of our women's ministry, you go, well, you're not on staff. You know what? She has every bit of authority, just like someone on staff. You give them respect. Why? Because they're out there doing the hard work that you're not able to do. So when they come up and they challenge you and go, whoa, 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 what are you doing? You don't go, hey, where's your badge? You turn around and say, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. Right? That's what we do. That's what we are listening to them. They have authority with us. They don't have to be on staff. They don't have to have all the fancy little name plates to be able to do that. You know, if they're solid in the church, you know, if we as leadership have commissioned them and if we have, they're speaking on our behalf. That's what he just said. He said, now I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus, which by the way, means the one who bears the crown. And I'm excited about Fortunatus, which is a Latin name that means the blessed one. He said, I was excited about Achaicus, who has a lame name that merely means I'm from Achaia. (laughs) Because they've made up for your absence. They refresh my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. His whole point was this. Hey, Corinth, as much as I love you guys, you've been killing me. You are so stressful. And yet... These guys, you sent me some of your best. When they walk into town, I'm super encouraged because I can see their face. I can feel their warmth. And they remind me of the incredible church that is you. So they refreshed me. They refresh you too. Make sure that you respect these guys. They're doing hard work. The churches of Asia send you greetings. That is Western Turkey. 
That's the Laodiceans, the Colossians, the Ephesians, those guys. They all want to say hi too because all the churches are getting along. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prissa, which is a shortened version of Priscilla, together with a church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. They are one of the most amazing teams in the entire Bible. I've already taught about them, so I'm not going to belabor this. They are a husband and wife team who's mentioned six times in the Bible. Many of the times it says, and the church that meets in their home says hi, and the church that meets in their home says hi, but they're different cities. Every city they went to, they set up a church. They were tent makers like Paul. They were partners in the ministry. They put their lives on the line. They backed up Paul. They backed up Timothy. They were mentioned six times in the Bible. Four out of the six, she's mentioned first. That never happens in ancient literature. Why? Because she was probably more dominant than her husband. She was just as powerful of a teacher as he was. They, as a power team, went out and did the ministry together. Just as Stephanus had a whole family that did it together, this is a couple that did it together. And then there were individuals. That's how the church grows. He said, all the brothers send you greetings, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, what's that all about? Well, it kind of, they probably got it from their Jewish heritage. I mean, when we first started Christianity, it was all Jews. So they're going to do what Jews do. And the men would greet the men with a kiss and the women would greet women with a kiss. But the Christians kind of took it to the other length. They're like, we're all family. Everybody kisses everybody. Right. And they were all into this. And basically it was the idea of a family connection. We're reconciled. Everybody's cool with everybody. Like my girls, I always kiss my girls. Good night. If they're going to leave somewhere, or if I see them, I go, give daddy a kiss. And I give them a little kiss. Right. In the same way, there's obviously no hostility. We're all completely good. So whenever you can kiss somebody, you know that things are okay there. Now, you'll notice whenever we do things where we're, uh, where we're two-faced, right? Uh, the Hollywood stuff, they do the little kiss in the air. That's the, I'll kiss both your faces. You know what I mean? It's that thing. And they, you know, they're not really kissing each other. It's this idea, I'm going to greet because that's what everybody's supposed to do. But that's not this. This was men and women, didn't matter, and they would all greet each other like family. Well, sure enough, right off the bat, things got a little bit weird, right? So they started out, and they're like, all right, you guys, hold up, hold up, hold up. There's a lot of kissing going on. So you know what? Guys, you can hang out with guys. Girls, you hang out with girls. Then the next century, it was clergy. No longer kiss laity. Laity no longer kiss clergy. They separated that. And then the next, uh, the next century, they just wiped it out completely. They said, all right, no more kissing. Why? Because we ruin everything cool. That's why. Because here's the truth of the matter. Practically, this is how it goes. Hey, everybody greet each other with a kiss like we're family. And then there's that one creeper guy who always hangs out by the door. Hey, welcome to... Oh, gosh. Nobody likes that guy, right? He ruins everything. He finishes up with this. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. That means that Sosthenes, his secretary, had written up to this point. He was dictating. And then at the end, Paul, who probably didn't have very good eyesight, uh, would have grabbed a crayon and wrote, I, Paul, really big, right? And then he said, if anyone has no love, no phileo, no affection, no adoration, uh, no devotion towards the Lord, and he's speaking of the false teachers, let them be anathema, doomed to destruction. He, Paul doesn't take doesn't take this lightly what you don't love jesus you're not going to submit to his authority you're not going to be obedient you think you can use the church i'll tell you what i hope you die 
May you be uh, Aramaic word, anathema. And then the next word is Aramaic, maranatha, which means what? Our Lord come. And in this context, it doesn't mean come and rescue your church. It means come and judge these guys. Come and take them out. Paul's serious about this. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. And my agape be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right. Was everybody handed a card? All right. We're all going to do a bit of work together right now. I want you to take out your card and follow my instructions. You... Oh, did anybody not get a card? If you didn't get a card, raise your hand. We have extra cards that we're about to give you. We got a couple over here. We got them coming down the rows. Keep your hand up if you don't have a card. You have to have a card. Otherwise, it doesn't work. All right. Everyone needs to listen to my instructions because somebody's going to screw it up and I'm going to get very frustrated. All right. You have a card. It's in a blank envelope. You take out the card, turn it over. On the back is a label that tells you a missionary's name, where they serve and what they do. We are going to write encouragement cards and absolutely blitz our missionaries with love. Therefore, you're going to write them an encouragement. You're going to write it today. You're going to write it here. There's pens in the seat in front of you. You write an encouragement card to them. Then you place it back in the envelope, write their name on the front of it, but do not seal it, right? No seal. Seal's bad. All right? Don't seal the card. Right? Because everyone's like, oh, yeah. Okay, stop licking things. Don't seal the card. Put the name on the outside, and then we have bins right outside the door. I want you to drop it in there. We have had a volunteer team put all these together. We're going to have a volunteer team assort them out, put them all together, and mail them out on behalf of Bridgeway. And just like we did with the pastors, we are going to encourage our missionaries. They need our encouragement as well. Amen? Let's close in prayer, and we will close out our time so you can fill those cards out. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. May you be glorified here that, Lord, we want to encourage not only each other, we want to encourage other churches, Lord. We want to encourage the missionaries around the world that, Father, you have filled us up with so much blessing and love and abundance. We want to pour that out on everybody else. God, would you infuse into our hearts the right words to say that they need to hear specifically for them. May we follow your leading, Holy Spirit, and write what you lay upon our hearts, even if it is personal, and may... All of it, communicate your love in the deepest way. In Jesus' name, amen.